You're listening to Flying Casual, a Star Wars podcast. Here's your host, Michael Canterbury. Hello there, friends. Welcome to Flying Casual. Uh, Holly, our latest book club installment. Uh, it's become a bi-monthly book club, but that's okay, right? I mean, some of us read a little slower than others, so we can't keep up with the uh, with with the monthly releases. So, and I'm yeah. talking about myself. No one else from the book. Some club. of us just don't read at all. That's definitely not me because I'm a big reader. You know, a lot of it is just it just happens to happen on the toilet. Um, and that's okay. So, uh, but we are here, guys, in our uh, our book club this month. Uh, we, we've got Dugan, Nettie, Jory, and Paige. Uh, maybe Rob is popping in. I think Rob might be slamming a few a few natties just to loosen up. Maybe he's finishing the book right now while shotgunning natties. I'm not sure, uh, but he may pop in here. But that's our that's our club uh, council tonight, guys. Uh, Holly, we picked up a favorite of mine. It was a favorite of mine five years ago. And uh-huh. I'm going to really try to tap into the force <laughs> and remember what happened in this book. But I'm hoping you guys in your discussion will jog my memory so I can at least provide some thoughts. But uh, you picked up Lost Stars. That's right. Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. I think this will be the third Claudia Gray book that we've read in the book club. Big, big, big Claudia Gray podcast. Um, yeah. You know, I think that we all really liked Leia. And then we read Bloodline. And yeah. so... I feel like with all the talk about Rogue One and we've been talking about the original trilogies a lot, it just felt right to pick Lost Stars as the next book. And I do have to say that this has been one of my favorite Star Wars books. I think I blew through this book. Yeah. I just, I couldn't put it down. I knew you liked it because you, I think after you finished it, maybe like a day later, you're just like, I'm just like really bummed it's over. (laughs) How did I like this so much? I really did not like Bloodline. I, it, it, sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. I I have to say this is definitely one of my favorites. Um, Michael, do you need a quick recap? Are you good? I think it'll come organically, phrasing. Um, but uh, let's just get into it. Uh, it was one of our newer, what was this, up to A Force Awakens? One of the journey to A Force Awakens? Is that what this was, Holly? Yeah, but I think that can be a little bit misleading because it did take place. It started right after the Revenge of the Sith. Um, well, it happened, started between Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One and then kind of took us up through, um, you know, Alderaan exploding through the Battle of Jakku. And so I really think they consider this uh, journey to... The Force Awakens, just because of the little Easter egg that happens over the Battle of Jakku. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of people questioning, you know, before The Force Awakens came out, is it necessary to read this book to kind of understand what's happening in The Force mm. Awakens? I don't think it is. No, not at all. Um, so, and I don't know, you guys might have a different opinion than I do, but I'm not sure that this even really, I don't really consider this like the journey to The Force Awakens or part of that. I consider it more with the original trilogy and understanding mm-hmm. what happened behind the scenes with the Death Star and on the Imperial side. But personally, personally, I think it's a, it's a marketing scheme on, uh, on Lucasfilm's behalf because they've got a movie coming out like, Hey, let's, let's, let's just say that you need to read this to watch the movie, go buy, you know, a half dozen books before you go watch it. And it works. Cause I've bought every single one of them. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, you know, maybe haven't read all of them, but definitely purchased them with the anticipation of reading them. So yeah, you really don't need to, to you didn't need this for the force awakens, but uh, let's go to the panel, Holly. Uh, Duke, let's start with you, my friend. It, it was a big book. 
Um, I can't remember if you've read this a while ago or if this was a recent pickup for you, but what what'd you like about it? I mean, just generally, we'll get into the details for sure, but what'd you like? Yeah, no. Um, so I had some of Holly's same thoughts, blew through it as well, um, and kind of like was a little disappointed uh, finishing it. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely agree with you, uh, Michael, that it uh, probably some uh, marketing scheme there about <laughs> just to, to get it. But no, I, I really liked it. I like the perspective of it coming from, like, honestly, from like stormtroopers at first, and then or and then or a pilot, and then also then just from rebellion fighters because um, the movies are great and everything. And a lot of the other books are great, but just having from like the perspective of the main play, you know, all the main players and everything. So that's honestly probably what I liked the most about it. Like for me, probably the most impactful part was the part, like when they, you could see Alderaan on exploding. Yeah. And then like, and then they were with, and then it was like Thane's roommate was from Alderaan. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, good pick. Holly, it took me a while because when you – I had mentioned this on our last cast, but we went for a run, um, and you thought it would be a good time to provide me a synopsis because I had forgotten what the book – what actually happened in it. And when you mentioned Thane, I said, Son of Thrawn? And then I really started confusing myself because I was making Lord of the Rings references. However, both names are actually in the Star Wars universe. That's a mind-blown moment for me. Uh, It actually just happened right now. Didn't even remember (laughs) Thrawn until I just mentioned him here, but uh, made the nice little joke there. But, yeah, Thane's Thane's roommate, kind of a dick, and we'll we'll definitely get to him. Yeah, and, Andy, I definitely agree with you. We've talked a lot in the podcast about – how lately we've been getting a little bit more humanization of the Empire and some of the Imperial officers, cadets, what they go through, even the captains and commanders. And I really love that because I think, you know, you can say these people are bad people because they do bad things, but really understanding the internal struggle and what they go through every Mm -hmm. day, you start to learn, you know, they don't agree with everything that's going on anyway. But that's definitely a theme that I want us to talk about later in the book club because that was really important throughout the story. This was one of the this was one of the books that really started that. I remember back in the Rebel Watch days, this was a huge deal because we're like, wow, we are seeing like behind the scenes like the Empire, and that was that was new. You really didn't you did you had very limited moments kind of in the in the uh, in the innards of the Empire and, and prior Star Wars. So a huge huge revelation here with this book. But uh, Paige, um, I know you enjoyed the love story in this one, but uh, what how did you feel about it? I mean, I liked it too. Um, I liked showing both sides. I think that's probably going to be a theme for uh, everybody. I think it's really relevant after the Mando episode from last night. Um, And obviously what's going on currently in the world, I think it's very um, relevant. Um, I saw a comment yesterday on the Tumblr uh, (laughs) that said that um, it feels really relevant because they said uh, we have all this foreknowledge of what happens to the New Republic. So um, that makes us feel much more sympathetic for what they do. So, I mean, obviously they're uh, technically the better people and the Empire is garbage, but <laughs> they both sides do messed up stuff. Yeah. So um, it just shows that not everything is black and white. Um, everything is morally gray, Amen. which I appreciated. Uh, I also loved that the um, one of the main characters is a black woman yeah. and uh, she didn't die. So <laughs> right. that was cool. Yeah. Um, and um, 
I think that if you want more of the uh, Empire side of things, Catalyst is a good Definitely. suggestion. Yep. And then Rogue One has more of the behind the scenes of the Rebellion, which is very interesting. So, Absolutely. If you want to read more on that and have very aggressive Empire office tactics, mm. That's right. It's a good. It's a good time. Uh-huh. That's right, uh, Holly. She's right. Love kind of muddles things up a little bit. It doesn't make it black and white. You know, you, you don't choose who you love. They it's may true. be a really terrible, you know, person uh, who's a part of a tyrannical regime. Hey, sometimes that doesn't even get in the way. Love muddies everything. You know, and it's funny because throughout this book, we do see both characters trying to rationalize their decisions for different reasons. We see. Um, our two main characters, Thane and Sienna, both grew up on the same planet, mm-hmm. um, kind of unlikely friends. If we're talking about, you know, a little bit of classism, they came yep. from very different economic backgrounds, but still managed to find each other. And mm-hmm. they find each other so often throughout this novel. It's kind of like it was meant to be, but mm-hmm. it's it also feels a little bit real because it's kind of a struggle. And mm-hmm. like Paige was saying, that's a real world thing. It's a struggle for everybody. And um, you just see them trying to rationalize. Sane tries to rationalize his feelings for Theanna. She, or Theanna. Sienna, she mm-hmm. she can't possibly, like, truly believe in what the Empire is doing. And then you see her trying to rationalize staying in the Empire or with the Empire while they're doing what they're doing. And she's experiencing that. And I just think that's a fascinating. Yeah. Cla- classism is uh, as political as Star Wars can be. <laughs> They don't have many conversations about that. Yeah, we know Luke Skywalker's a poor farm kid, but like, eh, we're only there a brief time on Tatooine, and he ends up being a hero. And and but to see kind of behind the scenes and how people's families are affected by decisions they have made, um, and and how they've not been impacted by the decisions they've made, it's 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 interesting. Um, and how two people coming from different ways of life can can see, you know you know, look past that even when, you know, a lot of people can, we obviously see that in the book. Love is blind, Michael. It is. And I know that after watching that, the special from, was it Netflix? Love is blind. Mm -hmm. Fantastic show. Uh, Mike's a big, (laughs) big cheese ball when it comes to the reality trash television. I am a huge fan. He's here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, Nettie, maybe you're not a fan of the bachelorette like I am, but I think you're a fan of this novel. Uh, what'd you think my friend? Let's see. Like we've touched on with the Beaumont story kind of being the center of it. Um, like I've kind of said on other podcasts, that's not exactly something I care that much about. Maybe I just have a cold, dead heart or something. Hey, that's but okay. I, I think having that at the center distorted a little bit for me. So um, it, I didn't like it as much as I could have. But ultimately, I still thought it was a really good read, a really interesting read. And like we've touched on already, the different perspectives was really good and even now, like, thinking back to when this released in 2015, this is probably one of the, like you said, one of the first times we really got yeah. both those perspectives. So just looking at it through that lens was really um, eye-opening and thinks it think it would have made it even better back then. Um, and I was actually scrolling through Facebook earlier today, and I saw, I don't remember what it was, it was some meme that had the quote from DJ from The Last Jedi about, it's all a machine. Don't mm. join when he's talking to Finn. Yeah. And I, I read that quote. And I'm like, that kind of describes a lot of the themes and the ideas of Lost Stars, too. So yep. once I read that quote and kind of put that together, I think I liked it even more. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it overall. 
Yeah, that's that's a common thread that we're even continuing now in the Mando and my, my, my man Mayfield. I know everyone was shitting on him a week ago, and boy, did he show up and won the hearts of everyone, and I could not be more pleased. But you're right. That theme it has run the past few years, and it's... It's it's epic, um, uh, Jory. Uh, maybe I don't know. I actually I don't know how Jory feels about a good love story. Uh, he looks like a romantic, you know. He's he he's handsome enough. I I think he's probably uh, swooed uh, many a uh, many a uh, many a folk back in the day. Uh, were you a fan of this one picking it up? Yeah, I was a fan. Um, I I kind of feel like. Nettie in a way, like it's not why I come to Star Wars, but I also appreciate what it does for the story. Um, I thought that that their relationship and showing, um, you know, we've touched on this, showing the other side um, was pretty awesome. And showing the other side in, in the time frame, too, because um, you think of the original trilogy and our two, um, our two mains being Luke and Leia. Uh, were born at the exact same time as uh, Sienna and Thane. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both born in 19 BBY. And so you kind of get to see, um, you know, people that, that aren't our heroes and, and how they grew up versus how Leia and Luke grew up nice. and, um, and, the, and the difference, it, you know, and, and how their life turned out. And, and, and I, you know, I just thought, I thought it was all pretty, pretty cool to, uh, in, in hindsight, because I didn't realize that until after I read it um, the first time. Then when I read it the second time, I thought it was pretty cool to kind of, you know, pick little things out um, as you were reading it, knowing that, you know, Luke and Leia were both growing up at the exact same time. So uh, just a cool little nugget and pretty much echoing at what everybody else has already said about the, um, you know, the uh, the love story and and the differing of opinions in between Sienna and Thane. I I mean I'm always down for a love story Holly but especially in Star Wars in this book in particular when you're focusing on two characters so much it's so many novels that we've read we are all around the spectrum following different people alphabet squadron was messing with me because i'm like who is this person again like there's so many different people and their names are crazy i was really struggling to keep it straight but when you're so focused on these two people you can really look at their experiences as a whole like in their lives growing up together and and seeing different aspects of the empire empire i freaking loved it um and and how they grow you don't really sometimes we're just focused on a few battles uh, a couple of years or a couple of days in star wars but this really showed us a spectrum uh, of people growing up and growing apart um and 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 maybe finding their way back uh, to each other in the galaxy but uh, uh rob i'm gonna go to you and i'm gonna be honest when you you told us all that this was a an awesome book i, I believe you said that in the group i was a little shocked I, I, I know Rob's a romantic, but I know that he uh, really enjoys those those lightsaber battles and that fighting and stuff. So I wasn't sure if he was going to enjoy this one, yeah. but I think you did, my friend. I, you know what? Can you hear me? Yes, uh, sir. Can you, sure? can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right, all right. Because my daughter's been trying to kill all of my headphones playing Fortnite. Perfect. And she gets angry. <laughs> and I'm like, and she's like, well, this 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 earphone doesn't work. And now this is, I'm like, you got to stop because I need something <laughs> for when I, I go live. <laughs> anyway, I didn't actually say that in, maybe that was for something else in another book. Yeah. I actually 
didn't get through the whole book in time. Okay, hey, that <laughs> happens. I didn't even start. <laughs> I like literally started, and that was about like three weeks ago. And then because I was so busy, I I just couldn't get to the full thing. So what I did was I went and I listened to the the reviews, and then I was like, all right, so. When you were all talking, I want, and then you started getting into it, Michael. When two things come apart, yeah. it draws them back together. And from what I was seeing, is that this was like a figure eight in a way, how it just kept bringing them back in. Yep. They got time away, and then they came back, and then they got time away, and then they came back. And then I think the timeline also was really good, too, you know, going back to Luke and Leia, like Jory just said, but also going through the Death Star blowing up, and then them just happening not to be on there, but not knowing that. The Star Wars is not about Jedi all the time. It's about normal people, their love stories. And this one, actually, it was... It was a little, it was heartbreaking at the end, but at least they knew. They had, like, I think uh, a sense of, like, finality. They, yeah. they, they knew where they were at. Holly, what I really like that Rom's saying is, is this, he mentioned kind of a figure eight, and that it seems, hey, a lot of people don't believe in destiny, but you're fans of Star Wars, so you likely enjoy the fact that they play with destiny and people meet for a reason and people are chosen to do things. So throughout these big moments of Star Wars history that we know, they cross paths and they recognize each other. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great way to keep us, you know, it allows us to know where we are and how it's relatable to the Star Wars that we know. Um, but it gives opportunities for them to have conflict or to confront each other in moments where uh, they may not have had we not had these moments. But, uh, Holly, what subject are we going to start here with? Like, you got some notes here. Oh, uh, yeah. I just... Much more plentiful than the prior notes that we saw on the last book for Revenge of the Sith. I think it just said epic or something like that. I don't think it said that at all. Did say, okay, okay. <laughs> um, I don't think those are the words I described that okay. with. Complicated. Sure. Um, I think that what this book does is very uniquely is kind of like Rob was saying, it shows the story that we know so well in the original trilogy and Rogue One through the eyes of ordinary people, not through the eyes of our typical heroes. It's mm-hmm. not the story that we've already gotten. So we know what happens, yeah. but it's from that different point of view. And I think that that was really well done. I think that that is a tribute to Claudia Gray knowing Star Wars inside and out and also how she's able to write these stories and make you feel bad and make you really care about these characters who if we were hearing the story from the other side again Mm -hmm. we wouldn't feel the same way about these Mm -hmm. people at all and i think that i just think that's such a great thing this is one of those first stories if i recall five years ago correctly that it was kind of the first time you see someone being shocked and upset that the the death star exploded (laughs) like that had not the reaction that we all had. And we said, yeah, we won. And that's kind of the history that we see. And then you realize, wow, Luke Skywalker, like, murdered millions of people. Like, there's another side to it. And we've never really got that story. So this is, and they've kind of played off it since. But uh, to see Sienna just have a reaction of just, like, confusion. And it's like, like, what about the order? Like, what about what's going to happen now? Like, I don't know. I I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. And I think that point of view, 
um, is something that we can open up to the rest of the panel. Um, because when I read the book and we got to the point that Sienna had been on the Death Star, she went with Darth Vader, the Death Star blew up, the first Death Star blew up. Um, I think that's the moment that she lost her friend, right? On the Death Star, yeah. And um, someone can remind me of her name because I didn't have that one written down. Um, Jude. Jude, nice. Yeah. And I think that Sienna's shock was, I just lost my friend and she didn't deserve to die. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was so much for her in that moment, like, what happens now? This is how hard that we've worked. The At this moment, like, the rebels are just defending you know, this planet or doing yeah. what they need to do. And then she knew people in it that were lost. And then we, we've never had that perspective until now, well, five years ago. Right. Yeah. And then that's the moment that she starts to change her idea of what the empire actually stands for. Mm. But I, I don't know. What did you guys like about the point of view coming from, you know, maybe the other side in the story that we haven't necessarily heard before? Anybody? Can I, throw a little in there yeah you know when you talked about the whole uh the meeting when the death star blew up go back to you know battlefront 2 again Iden, when she heard that the death star blew up and the emperor was killed you know she had that moment where she was like at a loss she was like oh you know like you see and this goes back to exactly what you were saying and going off of what we've said in multiple councils and everything that you are seeing that the empire is human. Mm -hmm. You're seeing that. And you saw that in yesterday's episode as well too with Mayfield when he was talking with that officer before he shot him so violently that I loved so much, (laughs) but it, it showed that whole, that might be one of the most, most darkest talks I've ever seen between somebody that was like an initiative and then the actual like captain, like an actual, you know, officer just talking down and being so cocky and being that part of the empire that you hate so much. Mm-hmm. But knowing that Mayfield was there and seeing all of his friends die and that man, you know, the, the officer not understanding what the empire does at times, but not really caring either because they're totally sold out. They don't care. And when he said five to 10,000 people, I mean, my, my, my morale dropped. I was like, man, he hurt me. Like he's gonna, he's gonna get what he deserves. And when he was popped up and that's what you get. (laughs) Yeah. That's what what I'm feeling. Yeah. That commander is, he's exactly what you expect when you think of the empire. And that's why this, this book was, to me so groundbreaking in this in this fandom because there's people that don't necessarily think that what is happening is a bad thing because they can't they can't they've seen you know the republic it it didn't succeed they've they've seen other things happen in their lifetime their families have seen something and then there's this order now and they know no nothing different it's only been good to them and so you know that that perspective to me i think was one of the most valuable things that we, we can get from this book is just knowing that not everyone thinks the way we think, and that's a very simple rule in life. But when you think Star Wars, we've never we've never gotten that perspective. Yeah, Jory. I think it was pretty cool. Um, kind of going back to Holly's question, um, seeing the other side. <clears throat> excuse me, um, because we didn't just get to see like one side of you know, uh, like it seemed like every character 
had a slightly different perspective on um, on what the empire was about, and um, and 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 I think that kind of goes to the tyranny that the empire really showed because it you know everybody almost seemed like they were trying to rationalize what was really being done. Yeah, and so you know you have like you have Jude who. Um, <sighs> I don't know we, that we really got a lot of Jude's feelings, but, you know, we had Jude when she kind of realized that, that uh, Cyan and Thane were being, uh, they're being set up by the officers. And, you know, and I think that was kind of her switch of, oh, hey, you know, things aren't um, done completely straight here. And then we have, uh, like, Nash Windrider. And then we have, uh, you know, in his his skewed views of, of how... Uh, how the empire is good for everyone, even after Alderaan, you know, after Alderaan so perishes and, you know, and that was actually kind of a shock to me because, uh, or just how he, um, took that because, you know, he, he goes into this, like almost, I mean, it's complete depression, but then comes out on the other side and is just all on board with what the empire is doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and everybody, grieves differently and everybody you know has tragedies in their life and they and they react certain ways to them but it it was a very different way than i thought uh that he was going to react and then you know you have thane who i guess you would kind of say is our hero and of the story um not you can't even say hero but the guy that we think possibly does the right thing in you know going over to the rebellion and then you have uh you know cyanna uh, I, I know you guys keep saying Sienna. I can't, I heard it in the audiobook Sienna, so I'm going to say <laughs> Sienna. I sorry, uh, but uh, you know she it, it is such a tragic story of Sienna because you know it, she holds on to her roots so hard that it almost makes it to where she is incapable of doing what she even sees is right, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, and I, I think that's pretty topical. Uh, and uh, I, I just, it, it was really cool to see how all these different um, main characters and side characters uh, viewed the Empire, even while in or even post Empire. Uh, and yeah, I just thought it was, I thought that what Claudia Gray does in her books, just in general, um, she is able to capture you and 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 make you really feel for characters in such a short amount of time um and and this is the third book that we've read that she's done that for me to where i was very very invested um even in jude which was really weird mm-hmm. for me that like you know it, you know she she dies so like maybe halfway through the book and you're just like no you know i mean and <clears throat> obviously she doesn't hit like super hard but it was enough to where, you know, you felt it a little bit. And uh, I just think that tributes to her writing. Um, and uh, it's just it's a really cool uh, perspective. I, I love what Joy's saying, Holly. It, it, back to Cyanna, is it, is it just her up? Is, is it where she comes from in life 
that it allows her to i don't i don't know if being blinded by this idea of the empire looking you know just kind of looking past all their atrocities and all the terrible things that they do is it is it i'm never going to go back to that is it her upbringing where she's come from that just really like allows that to happen michael i think that's a really great question um, I think what Jory had to say was pretty loaded, and I think there's a lot in there that I want to break down. So let's hold off on the question about Cyanna, because yeah. I think that we can do a bigger breakdown of her hey, character. I'm just here to try to spark conversation, <laughs> and then I, I'll um, shut up. I, I want to start with Nash, because I think Nash, for me, was a fascinating character. I just... I didn't like him. I don't know if anybody else felt that, but from the beginning, I kind of thought he was like a creepy dude. Nettie, did you feel that way? Yeah, see, I, I took down a couple notes here while reading. I don't, I usually read before bed, so I don't always take too many notes, but I took down a, key, a few. And literally, the first one I have is Nash is a moron. Yes. <laughs> so, like, I feel like we need to apologize to JoJo because I really didn't like this character. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there's the one, there's the whole, you know, that he's still remains loyal to the Empire after watching his homeworld blow up. I mean, he might be able to kind of, you know, reason that out too. But one of the things that kind of like when he was, do, that he did that kind of drove me against him for the rest of the book is the part where he's literally talking with uh, Cyanna and he's like, and they're talking about how they think Thane is dead. And then like an hour later, he's like, so you're free tonight. You want to, you want to, you want to hook up? I'm just like, a, that's creepy and you're weird, and B, like the best time to hit on a girl is not right after talking about her ex-boyfriend that you think killed himself. So he just seemed kind of like a a dumb character to me. I mean, he was a well-written character, but I definitely didn't like him. Yeah, and I think that Claudia Gray did a really great job with that because she writes him in a way that you can tell he's that character who it's just him as a person to take advantage of somebody when they're in a vulnerable state. And I think that that was really big because you know that you could pick that up throughout this novel. Paige, I know you had a lot of really big thoughts about Nash, Nash Windrider. Yeah, first off, the name is terrible. Um, <laughs> he's the least Alderanian person I think we've ever met in a, one of these books. I mean, if you compare him to Leia's boyfriend, I mean, rest in the most peace. Amen. I don't remember his Amen. name. Um, I it's i it boggled my mind i mean he i think he thinks that he is he's one of those people who thinks he is the most smartest person in the room and literally he is the biggest ass um could it like he thinks he's a thrawn level tactician when he literally is just dumb and he thinks he's so sly and he's so smooth but really he's just a grimy scumbag and i just Everything about him made me uncomfortable, even from like when Thane walks in the room and meets him and then the other dude who just totally disappears. And we're like, OK, bye. I just I knew something was off about him. Sure. He had fun, long hair and that was fun and cool. And he had a braid. And I was like, that's awesome. And then I was like, oh, you're one of those fun kids who was like, my parents are really, really cool and rich. And like, I'm better than everybody. Cut that and braid off. Other, yeah, when he cut the braid off, I felt sad. And then he leaned hard left and was like, I'm going to become a homicidal maniac. And I was like, why? I, why? Why? You could have gone the other way 
and went with your friend who was having a hard time and then hung out with Luke Skywalker, who also can be stupid. <laughs> you could have been good friends. It could have been great for everyone. But no, you could have hung out with Leia. She would have related. She loves braids. Mm. No. From Alderaan. Instead, Alderaan. From Alderaan, loves a braid. Also had her boyfriend blow up, you know, die. So uh, every, he made me so uncomfortable. And then the end bit with him on the ship, I just, I, I don't know if there's going to be a sequel or if he's going to show up somewhere. But if he does, I just, I couldn't take it because he's just, I don't mind Jar Jar Binks. Okay. I think this guy is worse than Jar Jar Binks because Jar Jar Binks is He's smart in his own way, but, like, he's, like, a lovable little guy, okay? This guy, there's nothing redeemable for him. He's just the worst person. Well, let's, I, and there's a give, lot of bad people. Let's <laughs> give Jar Jar some just, credit, because if Naboo would have blown up, he would have at least been a little upset. Oh, he yeah. He would have been distraught. Yeah. He would have been on the floor. Yeah. He would have... Misa uh, so sad! <laughs> Misa angry! Yeah. Like, something. Yeah. Yeah, this guy doesn't emote. Uh, he makes he's like he's just he's just so gross. And I can't, I can't, I can't. And he's scary, right? He's dry. He, uh, yeah, he's like a sociopath. That's yeah. what he's like. He's like a sociopath. I'm not trying to diagnose him, but he's like a sociopath. And he's obsessed with Sienna, and she's not into it. That's what makes it worse is that she's a woman and she's uncomfortable, and I'm uncomfortable for her. And I wanted to jump in and help her, and I couldn't. I'm done now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I um so Paige, just to confirm, there's no redemption mm-hmm. for Nash Windrider in the future. Oh no, he's um he's 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 dead to me. Um I don't care. Uh he's not a Ben solo to me. No, well, I couldn't care less. Are we he shipping him up... with anybody or I mean No, no? I ship him with, with dying. Did anyone um, stand him? A casket. No one standing no. or shipping him. Okay, no, I just ship him with the I ship him with the well, pulse rifle where he. <laughs> that's what I ship him with. <laughs> Rest in the most to the pulse rifle. Nash must have been the guys that hit on Holly at the supermarket that one day. That's the oh type God. of friend yeah. Nash is. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's a great point. Oh my God. And then that creepy, uh, those kids, for the record, those kids were creepy and they totally had a Nash Windrider vibe. Like, they think, like, I'm so good looking and I'm so clever that I'm going to holler at every girl, especially one who just had a baby. That's the one who was walking into the store with me. That's right. Had just had a baby. And she said, I just effing had a baby. Hey, ladies, you want to get in the Pontiac Sunfire? Let's go. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) Jory? No, I just thought that what Paige was saying was uh, pretty spot on um, as far as, um, you know, how he was kind of the least Alderanian person that we've met um, because uh, Kier, which was uh, Leia's uh, thing, thing, whatever, uh, he, he was just such a good, I mean, I know that his his overall story ended up not where we wanted it to be, but like he was just such a good guy and you kind of got this vibe that, Alderanians were just kind of like these overall good people. And then you have somebody like Nash come out of it and you're like, oh, okay, you know, not everybody's awesome. Some people suck. And I guess that's kind of topical too. But, um, you know, it's uh, (laughs) like, 
Uh, I just, you know, I just thought that what Paige was saying on that was was pretty spot on. That he just, as far as the Alderanian, like he didn't fit the mold that we always got uh, of these Alderan people. And, uh, you know, and I think that once again kind of ties back to Claudia Gray, just like really making Star Wars like relatable, you know, and, and, and in so many ways that once you start breaking down even just stuff like that, that you're like, man, she's just such a fantastic writer. Yeah, I agree with that. I would love to know... <laughs> Jory, you brought it up. So Nash is there and he witnesses Alderaan just being decimated. And that really took a toll on him. And I think, you know, you said he went to depression. I think he was in shock for a while about it. I don't think, I think he was having a hard time grappling with, you know, like, this is who I'm serving and they did this to my planet and all the people. And I think he just had to disassociate himself from it. And I would just love to know, like, what was going through his mind all that time when he finally decided I'm going to back the empire no matter what. I just like, I would love, I would love another, even like a short story, like that we've been getting just about like what was going through his mind in that moment. And then shortly thereafter, is that just like a, a way to survive though? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, not that he just like took up the cause or like believes, but it's like, it, that's just, I mean, that's his response to it. And maybe that, that douchebaggery is, it's it's a front to not deal with all of that, but mm-hmm. that's that's how he's going to survive. He's going to put it all behind him and, and he's becoming something else uh, because of it. I, it's, it's messed up. It's messed I think, up. yeah, I think that it's it was easier for him to turn a blind eye. I don't think that everybody has the strength to defect from... Where they are, and you know, I think that that can be really scary. And they know, like, well, here I get, I can get promoted, and I can get food, and I have, you know, a bed to sleep in, mm-hmm. and everything's so orderly. They just tell me what to do, and I do it. I don't have to think about anything. I don't have to deal with anything else that's going on. I just have to follow orders. And mm-hmm. I think for some people, that is easier than saying, you know what, I'm going to defect. They're probably going to try to come after me if they ever see me again I could die but I'm gonna go fight with the rebels I don't know I I don't know there's there is another character in the story who defects from the empire um Kendi and she shows up later she was one of um Cyana's roommates too right she was one of the roommates yeah and she shows up later and she's with the same um squad that um Thane is in and I just we didn't really get a lot of background on how that happened and how she got there and I wish that we had but also this book is almost 600 pages I feel like there probably wasn't a lot of room for Claudia Gray to add any more details without creating a second novel which I would have been fine with if we had gotten a second one but you might never know okay so we can move on to Cyana then I think that she was probably a favorite just you know, because we get so much of her struggle, and I feel like she was really the one that we wanted, you know, something good to happen to, because I feel like she didn't have anything good happen. You know, she came from a poor family. Um, she lost her sister. I think that's a big thing that we haven't talked about yet. Um, she lost her twin sister, and everything that she did, she tried to talk her 
um, late sister through, which I thought was like kind of a touching thing. I think that was a good way that Claudia Gray kind of humanized her as well because, you know, she had been dealing with loss since the beginning of her life, right? Um, but, yeah, she came from this poor family, and she didn't really feel like she had any option but to go and be a pilot. Andy? No, I really like Sienna as well. Um, I feel like this will be a good transition, too, with just with, like, Nash, and obviously it's different, like, having your whole planet explode. <laughs> but the way that she reacted after her mother and being tried for that, like, fake corruption or that embezzlement or whatever it was, um, and that was when I thought, like, she might maybe not join the rebellion, but may- I, don't, I don't know, maybe leave the Empire or do something. Um, but she didn't. And she continued to serve, too. And then um, just kind of, like, how the just like the character development and then just showing like how much like the empire just warps your mind. Mm-hmm. Like you can have your empire, you can have your whole freaking planet explode or you can have your mom thrown in labor camp that, and I think, well, I don't know if we ever find out what really happens to her, but I'm assuming she doesn't get out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and just how much, and she still, still kept at it. And that's the empire probably loved those people, the people that came from nothing and that's that's something else that I want to ask you guys. Like, what the hell is the appeal of Tarkin? <laughs> like, he, he seems to do this to everyone. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this guy's awesome and fantastic ship. I'm joining. But they probably love those people, right? And that, that was the point of kidnapping children for the First Order, right? Take them from their family. They won't know anything different. And even if they weren't brainwashing people, it's like she's worked so hard to prove to herself that, you know, just – herself that she's come from nothing she's proving it to her family who comes from nothing but she's also competing with thane who does come from something and she has something to prove and to then give that up and join a cause that he's now backing it's just like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that i've worked so hard for i can i can only imagine granted i haven't come from shit in my life either but if i get to a point where i feel like i'm you know super accomplished and stuff it's gonna probably be very difficult to give that up i can it's just but yeah what would it take for someone like that They, they you've seen them commit atrocities you've seen them convict wrongfully your mother like what would it take what would break a person like that for their conviction to kick in and and really overcome any pride that they may have and and what they've overcome i i don't know i can't relate to it i do want to say back to your question about tarkin tarkin when you were like what's the appeal of tarkin there is a moment so thane and cyana meet because she's getting bullied by the second wave Those kids dicks. Yes, they are dicks. And, you know, so Cyanna's family was, you know, they're from the first people who were living on this planet. And then we get these second waivers come in. And you could tell they're a little bit more uppity. They're richer. They have more wealth. They have more resources. They're probably benefiting off the original colonists. I'm assuming that's what's happening here. Yeah, And they pick on the people from the valley, which is where Cyanna's family is from. So Thane comes across Cyanna. They're like six years old, right? And they're at Tarkin's ship because the whole lure of all of these people coming to hear the Empire speak, mm-hmm. um, Tarkin's going to be there. It's all supposed to be just like a big rally to get people to come in and join the Empire. They need pilots. They need fighters. They need engineers, whatever they can get. And they get caught at Tarkin's ship. And instead of getting upset with them, he takes Thane and Cyan on a tour of his ship. And this is a quote that he says to Pyatt. He says, "Um, 
we should never hesitate to use the lash when necessary, but mm. there are moments when the lure is even more effective. Absolutely. And that's how he gets these kids to agree to be excited about joining the Empire mm-hmm. and being a pilot and being these big heroes and fighting against the terrorist rebels. Yeah. It's all propaganda, and they're yeah. so good at it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not just posters and stuff. You put Tarkin out there, I mean, he's a smooth talker. Yeah. He's got a sweet ship, and that kid's... That's in Star Wars. It's a huge appeal to kids. Ray was the same way. Luke was the same way. These fancy ships for these people who have nothing, who have no access to get off a ship, is a huge symbol for them of of removing themselves from everything they've ever known, which isn't much. And so here's this opportunity. I'm never going to get this again. Tarkin is never going to show up on my doorstep again. I need to. I need to take it. Rob, I think you had something earlier. No, I wanted I wanted to weigh on the Tarkin. Okay, so I'm Polish, and is, is there a Tarkin book? Did I? Yeah. Is there a Tarkin book? Yep, yep. There is. So I, I, I was trying to remember. I've never read that book. And I keep getting all these stories about Tarkin, and then I'm like, and I'm trying to, like, I was like, okay, he's just confirmed it, that there's a Tarkin book. And I was like, I, I thought there was one. And it just seems like that we need more of this man mm-hmm. because you get that book, but you get him oh, so over the whole like broad spectrum of like the biggest moments in the Empire, the Jedi moments. Tarkin is literally there, but it just seems like with Disney now that we need more Tarkin. We need Tarkin explained what Tarkin did, and we're getting it right now. But what he did from like here to here. So if we could have like a Tarkin after the Mandalorian series, like that little bit of timeline in there, I want to see that. Or maybe we don't want to see it. Do we all just like Tarkin the way he is? Yeah, you should definitely check out the Tarkin book because that really talks about his upbringing and his family and I mean, just how resourceful they are, and 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 everything is. It's it's like the comic book that we just read with that Commander Zara, um, how she admires just his his tactfulness and 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 how resourceful he is. That's that's his family, and 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 the Thrawn, the Thrawn name, the Tarkin name. <laughs> forgive me. Uh, similar characters. Um, it's 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 big to them, and that whole forest thing in the in the in the, in the comic book. That's a family thing. You have to go through and survive to to really earned the name so to speak it's been a long time since i've read this as well but uh it's a it's a def it, it kind of gives you an idea of, of why he is the way he is um it's just in the it's in the tarkin blood okay. it, it's it's very appealing to people um that may be one we do in the book club too yeah um and i think that yeah. Go ahead, Rob. go ahead rob i was just gonna add to that 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 okay that being said and you just explained that really does make a lot more sense because Tarkin always keeps his chin up, yep. you know, and that's how like Regal always keeps that up like that. But like, yeah, I, that being said, maybe for the book club, maybe not. I'll go catch that. I really want to catch that because I'm intrigued because I just always just was like Abeloth, but <laughs> you know, I had to throw it in there. But I would still think I think he deserves another novel. I really do. I think that the out the dad lives whatever around this Tarkin novel going forward and then you get so much of his character i would love to see a character a book right now between the end of the empire going forward to when ray's around because we know like i want to see 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think Disney's really picked up with Thrawn and just kind of run with it. And that's that's the brilliant tactician that we get that's not force sensitive, but has this appeal that people have loved for years. And 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 we only got Tarkin so briefly. Um, and they have like in this book and, and some of the comics, they've expanded on him and, and how he is a tool of the emperor as well. But I mean, he's he's held in equal regard at, at times in Vader's early career, which is cool. So you're right. There's definitely some more that they could do with that because that sort of we've seen it work it with Tarkin in these novels and, and many novels. And it could definitely work here. I'm sure there's many more menacing stories to be told about that sly bastard. But I think that. Sorry, yeah, no, you're fine. I think something that's really unique about Tarkin too is that he has the ability to terrify you, and at the same time, he can also make you feel very special. And I think that we see that later in um, Lost Stars because Cyana has the opportunity to serve on his Star Destroyer, mm-hmm. right? And he remembers her, and he remembers does her as a child and giving her the tour of the ship and how she wanted to be a pilot and she did really well in the academy and i think that i think that if you have your doubts and then somebody so high up a a grand moth can recognize you and be like hey i see what you're doing and you're doing a great job i think Mm -hmm. that's another way that they keep people coming back and staying you know where they are they're not going to leave because they're like holding on to that little bit of hope that like okay there's more for me to do here that's exactly what i would say just small words go a long way if you if you know that your presence um and the respect that you have all you need to do is say a few words and and he does he's he has them hooked he's mastered the art of manipulation he has and and i love that we saw in the that latest comic that we read in the in the main line this this commander zara um after Thrawn's death, Vader and Palpatine recall her from his past, from from Tarkin's past, and they they appoint her to go mm-hmm. and lead this this uh, this um, Starfleet, which is it's just crazy. So Tarkin hugely respected, and he's got some swagger. Um, so I, I see him as a real recruit uh, for the Empire, and, and they obviously know what they're doing. It, it makes sense to go to these poor these poor worlds and, and appeal to the people, and, and you've got your recruits there. It's it's pretty simple. I mean, it's no different than our military. <laughs> Put these recruits in, in poor high schools for kids that don't have any other opportunity. A lot of times, a lot of people decide to serve, and I commend them for that, and I respect them for that, and I thank them for that. And then some people... You know, that was a huge issue in Vietnam. A lot of people being not even recruited. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just oftentimes it's a lot of people don't have a choice. And it's it's a way to see the world. It's a way to do bigger and better things. And, and, and I think that's really captured here. And it makes it relatable. I don't know. I won't talk too much about that. But <laughs> uh, you guys, something else I wanted to bring up about Cyana. Um, I don't know if you guys maybe thought the same thing. At some point, I believe she's having a conversation with Thane. And he's pretty much like how can you stand to stay where you are after seeing everything that they've done? All the destruction, all the death, it was so unnecessary. You see them sacrificing their pilots just for a big show. Mm -hmm. You've said that about them. And she makes a comment, and I don't remember if this is internally or if she actually says this out loud, about how she feels like somebody needs to stay in to kind of give a little bit of guidance and stop all these terrible things from happening. If all the people who care 
about other planets and don't want these worlds to be blown up and don't want all these unnecessary deaths to happen, if they all leave and join the rebellion, who's going to keep everybody in the empire in check? I That's feel like a that, different perspective. And yeah. I feel like that you is, know you know there's crazies <laughs> and you're like who can really do something about it if they decide to take such drastic measures. But I mean there who who was willing to do so? Right. That was the point of the Death Star was to scare people shitless. And so if you see that kind of power executed, who's honestly going to stand up to that? There are are a select few that do. That's a fantastic perspective that we really don't get from anyone else that we see in the Empire. Well, yeah, I get it's shitty, but like who's going to do anything about it? It's like um, the rebellion is trying to do that, but you don't want to join. Jory. No, I thought that. Um, that was a really good line and it was a really good thought, uh, but it seems like she never really acts on it. Um, you know, she stays in, um, because she says, you know, she wants to be the good that she sees in the empire. Um, but then she never does anything to really, um, you know, really affect, uh, the good that the empire, I guess, (laughs) the empire never could be good. Um, like, I don't want to get that construed into what I'm saying. Um, but in her vision, she never even really acts on what she sees, you know, to make the empire work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's, she's always, uh, very, <clears throat> she, she always just does what she's told and she, you know, um, she never really pushes the envelope to, to uh you know say to a tarkin or to you know any of her superiors like no i'm not going to do this um and i think that that has to do with a lot of the kind of brainwashing kind of going back to nash windrider and and her both you know they brainwash you to want you or to to keep you kind of what you guys were already talking about um but they make it to where like you want to keep your post you want to keep in good standing um, because maybe these ideas that you have and where you could see the empire doing good, you know, you're going to keep doing what they're telling you to do just to have maybe that, that golden apple that you're just keep reaching for. And you're like, you know, one day I'm going to make a difference, but then, um, none of them actually make that difference and just keep doing, um, you know, keep the wheel turning and what the empire sees. Yeah, I think that's a great point, too. We don't really... I mean, even in the end, she was going to go down with her ship. Paige? Um, I think I think Jory brings up a lot of good points. I think that also kind of goes back to her whole... What is she? She's a, she's a first waiver. So their whole thing is loyalty and honor, and that's been beating her since she was a kid. So even though she's like breaking the rules like a little bit because she has a, that bracelet the whole time which like that's very interesting to me um her whole thing is well yeah sure i want to like change all these things but like at the end that's like just like an excuse mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. that's just like lip service to someone that she really loves and cares about to be like yeah i agree with you but also like i'm gonna bullshit you because i know my my base moral compass is I need to be honorable and loyal to what I pledge my life to. 
it's like it's like people who take religion super super literally i think Mm -hmm. it's comparable to that um i think it'd be kind of interesting to compare her and her conviction to the empire to like galen urso who actually walked the walk and was like i'm gonna put a secret surprise and then i'm gonna have them oh guess what you can do you can blow up the whole thing by just shooting a thing into this tiny little thing yeah sure it's super unlikely but if you would like to do this it's possible yeah and he he also was in it for a very long time and he wasn't technically a good guy but he actually acted on something he wanted to do yeah i like cyana i really do but i think she was born and raised to be a perfect imperial cadet, which is very, very unfortunate. And Thane was not because he had privilege and she does not. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's, it is a tragedy because mm-hmm. you, you want to blame her and say you had so many opportunities. There's so many things screaming at you. Leave that fucking place. But she doesn't, and and it, it that makes you wonder: is it is it purely a a dedication to 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 order and loyalty, or is it? I feel like I have nothing else. Is there any point also that she thinks that Thane is dead when he leaves? There, is that, yes, so many, many times. So maybe she thinks that it's just like, well, where did it get him? Right? Like he thought that he was going to do all these great things, and he's dead. Look well, at me; I'm still here. I'm still here. We, 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 we came up equally, and I'm still here, and I'm still succeeding. And all she knows is the success that she's had. Well, right? after she finds out, so she goes back home, and he's, he comes to her. And, well, I guess before that, she had been tasked with tracking him down to see if he had gone home because uh, they suspected that he had deserted. Oof. And she was like, huh, well... I guess I'll go and track him down. Yeah. And she finds him, and he is, they are not on the same page. He's like, she wants to desert too. There's no way that she can believe that this is a good thing that's happened. And she is pissed. Yeah. You know? And so when she finds out that he's joined the rebellion, I might be skipping ahead a little bit to later, but when she finds out that he's joined the rebellion, She's livid. Yeah. She is like, you are dead to me. How can you join these terrorists? What is wrong with you? Why would you do that? And he can't really defend yeah. the rebels because he also, like, he doesn't, he, he thinks that they're... Um, Idealistic. Yes. He doesn't like their ideals. It's, yes. it's, it's one thing to bring down the, uh, the empire and their terribleness, but y'all are too, you're too idealistic. It's never going to get the job done just having good morals. Yeah, Jory? Um, no, I, <clears throat> the more I think about Sayana, the more I am not a big fan. Um, and, and I think that she is written really well. I think she's a likable person, um, but I think that she is once again, kind of a topical um, character because uh, she sticks so hard to what she was brought up into that she doesn't grow. Yeah. Um, and and I could kind of uh, bring this to like a, an issue today of, of racism, mm-hmm. okay? And I know this is kind of reaching out, but um, hear me out. So you know, say you're brought up in a racist household, right? And, you know, and you just are, are brought up to not like anyone 
other than the race that you, you know, that you are. Um, and, and I think that I actually, I know people like this, um, and, and, and I see people like this on a daily basis that they, you know, with Sienna, you know, she's so loyal to whatever she gave her word to, right. And that she is never able to grow past that. Um, even when she sees the absolute evil, that there is in the empire. She can never grow past it because she says, no, I gave my loyalty to the empire and even her family, which we, you know, when we go back to her planet, we see her mom and her dad. And they even say, you know, as her dad sees what the empire is doing to her mom, he is still loyal to the empire. And, and I think it is very topical because, you know, you see, you still see people like this, you know, They'll, they'll know that it's wrong. They'll know that, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous to have these thoughts, but you can't get past it because, um, you know, I was brought up this way. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, I mean, I think it's bullshit because, like, it doesn't matter how you're raised, it's how you grow. Yeah. You know, every choice that you make in your life is your choice to make. It doesn't matter what your family did before you. It doesn't matter, you know, how, you know, people had influence on you. It matters how you decide that you're going to be um, yourself, you know. And so, uh, I, I, you know, I think that she is a wonderfully written character. I think she has a, a ton of redeeming qualities, especially because we can see in her mind, we see that internal struggle. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, She's kind of a shitty person, yeah. you know, like she couldn't get past, uh, you know, these just these childhood loyalties that, that she has to be a better person than, you know, than what she was. Yeah. Rob? I, I just got to say, I want to give credit to Paige because when she mentioned Jin Urso and you think about how many people in the Empire always are willing to take the death, willing to be like a kamikaze for their cause. When you get to the rebels, there's people like that, but when push comes to shove, the only person I can think about is Jin Erso. I think, and I never thought about it until Paige just mentioned it right there. I'm like, damn, I'm like, Jin Erso, she literally knew that was a suicide mission. She went on it, and I think that this shows more about her character as a child going back into what just Jory said, it's kind of the way you're raised. You're kind of just raised hard-nosed. And I think that that took that kind of rebel to do what Jin did. But we don't get that story in a lot of rebels either, too. And that's what Paige just kind of set off for me, too. And I just wanted to throw in that real quick to see if it popped anybody else off. And then I just wanted to give Paige credit as well. Yeah, big-time phrasing there from Rob with the pop-off. But you're right. Um, as long as it's not an office pop. Pop-pop. Oh, my that God. Way, the other guys? Anybody? Okay, anyway. Uh, he's right, though. I mean, the, the rebels, they have, it feels like they have something to fight for, a, a, a hope. We talk about rebellions are built on hope. It sounds cheesy, but that's the whole point of it, is that we're fighting because we're hopeful for what's next. We're, we're hopeful for something different. And the, the Empire... It's 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 why they say it's it's like Snoke says if if the Jedi lives hope lives it's it's a, it's a it's it's a look it's a, it's looking towards the next day and and to the and to the light that's going to come back and and the Empire doesn't want that yeah they want you to think you're dependent on us we provide you the resources we provide you the access we provide you options 
And in reality, they really don't. Yeah, Jory, I don't think that was a far stretch at all. I think that one of the reasons why, well, I'll speak for myself, one of the reasons why I love Star Wars so much is because I do feel like it ages really well. I feel like these are issues that happen every single day in real life, and it doesn't matter if the original trilogy was written in the Mm -hmm. 70s or if it was written in 2020. Mm -hmm. You know, these are still things that come up every single day that ordinary people have to deal with. Well, and how many people would be able to have this conversation about reality and the world that we live without it becoming something else, without it becoming partisan, without it becoming too personal. It allows us to have conversations about those topics Mm -hmm. in a world that actually doesn't exist, but makes it relatable to where we understand it. And then hopefully we can take that and realize, you know what, we can have cordial conversation. We can have misunderstandings. Because we've, we've, we've already been there. We've, 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 we've addressed that with each other. I don't know. That it makes it easier to talk mm-hmm. about, right? Well, and it's like Paige said earlier, you know, like it's not black and white. There's this gray area mm-hmm. for your morals. But yeah. I feel like what we deal with in the story is somebody who grew, like Jory said, grew. And Thane, it was Thane, he realized that. He was like, I don't agree with everything the rebels are doing. Yeah. But I disagree with what the Empire is doing more. Jory? And I think it's uh, pretty cool to see her spin on it, too, because you see Thane is kind of the uppity second waiver that has more, like, he is, he is, uh, I don't know how your guys' um, situation is there, but um, in, in more of a rural situation where I'm at, um, I would say this might get me in trouble, but the people <laughs> that are kind of shittier people in life kind of can be uppity, you know, and, yeah. and it, it, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. And I, I don't want to label anyone because, because, uh, you know, I, yeah, I just, I'm not into that, but sometimes you'll see, especially if you look at our top 1%, you know, in the country, um, that can be kind of racist, mm-hmm. um, at times, uh, you'll see that a lot of them are white, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if you would kind of compare this to what we're talking about now, um, you'll see that, uh, you know, you have Thane who was the more privileged of mm-hmm. the two, you know, he actually is the white character in this situation and not, not the black character because, um, I don't know if you guys look, even looked up Sina, but she is black. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Thane, is the one that is more progressive in his thinking, you know, and he is, um, you know, he has all these advantages over Sienna, um, but he kind of comes out in, in more of the right direction, um, with, with going to the rebellion, with going to, you know, to the new Republic. Um, and so, you know, I, I thought that, that the way she decided that she was going to put this together, um, was, was very, very interesting because, um, and I don't know if you guys even know this, but she did an interview to where um, when Disney pitched it to her, uh, she was asked to um, she was going to have or they asked her to have those roles switched. She was going to have um, the female um, be in Thane's position and be, have the male be in Cyanna's position. And she decided that she wanted to switch that. And I thought that was a very interesting yeah. um, uh, decision by her, and I don't know what her thought process was behind it. Um, but you know, I, I just think that that everything that um, she does is 
is pretty amazing and it really captures and it is very topical to what we go through on a daily basis. Yeah, I think that for Thane, you can probably argue that he had, growing up with the resources that he had, he had the freedom and the liberty to be able to say like, oh, I can try to do this and if I fail, well... I kind of have a safety net and plan as much as his family were a bunch of dicks to him. They also didn't want him to be an embarrassment. So they weren't going to like really ultimately let him fail. So I kind of feel like he grew up kind of be being able to say like, I can try to do all these things that I want to do. And I have the freedoms and the time to do that. Whereas Sienna, her family didn't really have those opportunities since they didn't have a lot of resources and they, weren't able to have the same liberties that the second waivers had. Oh yeah. If the empire doesn't work out, I there's some, I got something else to probably fall back on. He's a little more confident to take a leap. Um, I'm going to go to page first and then Jory will come back to you. Uh, Yeah. Holly, that's exactly what I was going to actually bring up because it's actually, it's very accurate to how it is in America. Um, White people generally have more resources and Mm -hmm. black brown and latino people do not and generally sometimes they get into bad situations and it's extremely unfortunate but they're the white saviors who are here Mm -hmm. to fix everything you know so i think maybe she did that for a very specific reason and it's because people in america generally who have more money tend to be white and I think it's a problem that mm-hmm. needs, <laughs> needs to be addressed. There mm-hmm. needs to be more of a wealth distribution situation, and it's not happening. Uh, so I think that that might have been um, a more conscious choice on her part, and I think it was a good choice, personally. Yeah. Joy? No, I thought that uh, there was a certain line that Sina says to Thane, um, and, it's the, and it's right when they get to Coruscant, and uh, Thane mentions to Sienna, um, he goes, you know, I was really shocked when we got to Coruscant, um, you know, just with the, the culture shock. And uh, he goes, but you seem to uh, really handle it well. And she said, um, I was ready to be a part of the Empire my entire life. Um, and you were just trying to run away from Jellican. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that kind of speaks to... Um, I guess there are different situations where um, even though he grew up in a wealthier, more privileged house, he hated his family. Um, he couldn't stand um, what or how they were and and the um, just the privileges that they and not the privileges that they had because he definitely took advantage of those privileges, but the way that they almost like rubbed it in everybody else's face and the way his brother was and his parents were. And you could tell that Sienna, um, even though they're, even though her parents were, uh, were dedicated to the empires to a fault, um, they loved her with every ounce of their being, you know, and she knew that she was loved and that she was just trying to better herself. Um, and, you know, I just thought that was a very interesting line, you know, that, you know, that, you know, she just, she knew that he was trying to get away and she was just trying to better. But that's, what's fascinating about it too, is that 
she comes from a more, we'll call it a more nurturing family, right? And in your typical story, when you have someone who, who, who comes from that background and then they, you know, they make it or they face conflict, they typically make the right decisions. They fall back on that foundation and that upbringing and it, it gives them the, 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 I don't know, the whatever to actually follow through and do the right thing. And, and she fails to do it. And it's very tragic. It's very tragic. Holly, what were some of the other the other main items? I, I had one big point to make. We, we haven't really talked about the love story too much, but it's, 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 it's this. It's very simple. Love just isn't always enough. You have two yeah. people that are probably extremely compatible. They're just... I mean, when they when they haven't seen each other in years and they see each other, they hit it off, and you're like, boy, destiny. But too much gets in the way. Sometimes love just sometimes love is blind, yes, <laughs> but sometimes it's just not enough, and well, we're always led to believe that it is. And it is a love story, but the fact that it really doesn't end in success is is a risk. I think in Star well, Wars. Well, I don't think that we necessarily know it doesn't we, end in well, success. Well, maybe. It could, because we don't really get any closure on that, and they're still together at the end of the novel. True. She just says that she's not going to join the Rebels. That's what she says. I don't think she's not going back to the Empire, because they think she's dead, but she's not joining the Rebels. But I think, guys, I'm really not, like, a fan of romance novels. I... I hate, I just, I'm going to come out and say, I hate romance stuff. Mm. I just like, I don't care about that. Like, yeah. I'm not, I, it's funny. Michael and I were just talking earlier. I'm a romantic. Holly's <laughs> not so much. It's okay. We're, it's okay. we're watching um, Jane the Virgin, of course. Oh, absolutely. And I just, I was like, I just, I'll never read a romance novel. I just yeah. won't do it. And I think that the great thing about this novel, and I think something Claudia Gray does so well, and I think part of that is we have to keep in mind it is a young adult novel. But True. it doesn't really, I think there's a stigma attached to that, and this novel kind of defies that, which I think was great. But the love story doesn't come with all the fluff of the love story. Exactly. When you think about a love story, usually you know, the target audience is women, and when young adult stories have love stories, the target audience is usually young women. Mm-hmm. And that's usually, we've talked about it before in Star Wars, it comes with a lot of sacrifice for the women, but that's considered romantic. Yeah, It's not in real life. And I think something oh. great about this story is that these two characters, while they clearly are in love with each other, yeah, they're not codependent. Yeah, exactly. And I saw a couple yep. other reviews that people had left on like Goodreads and in other places. And there seems to be a general consensus that one of the great things about this is that these are two people who are not, they're not saying like Michael, you said the love in the story isn't enough. They have other things to worry about like honor and a, Mm-hmm. Or is my planet going to get blown up? And am I going to be caught by the empire for defecting? Is she, she loves me, but she has a creed and is she going to turn mm-hmm. me in? I think there are other things going on other than just like, Oh man, when can we be together? Yeah. No. Oh, and I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think in every, every story pretty much ever told that it has a love story in it. You're right. It's usually, I love that you mentioned that. It's usually the woman 
or you know, and, and most of the time, who is sacrificing something for the sake of them, you know, even having a chance for this to work. And I think about that makes me think about every single Hallmark and or Lifetime <laughs> Christmas movie. I moved to the country. I went home for the holidays, and I just left my big city job, and and I found my old high school fling. I'm just gonna li- I'm just gonna be a stay at home mom now because I love him. I love him. I corporate america i love this man and that's fine and that works for a lot of people but it's 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 unfortunate that what what uh sienna sienna is is unwilling to give is something really terrible and she's unwilling to sacrifice that but there's something to that and that's why this is such a different love story and that kind of flips it on its head what we we typically see but uh yeah rob yeah for that moment right there, y'all made me think back to high school, and I think it was the book, The Red Badge of Courage, where the North and the South gentlemen were injured, and they were in the cabin together. Was it The Red Badge of Courage? It was! <laughs> yes! And, and then they meet each other on the battlefield, and they have that, but then that's where you guys, like, that's why I love flying casual, right? <laughs> there. That's why people need to say, let's go! Let's go! Come on, Michael. Give it to me. I agree. I think we yes. go a lot deeper than than than, uh, yes. than a lot of broadcasts out there. I, I I pride myself on us doing that, and, and the people that wow. we uh, that we we bring on board, and 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 people like Dugan. Dugan. I mean, uh, another another. You got another novel reference here? No, I do not. Um, I wish I did. Um, <laughs> No, I honestly, when I saw that it was a young adult novel, I, at first I was a little hesitant. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, and I realized this is probably, I don't know if this is like a G-Raid podcast or something. Like, I, I wish it was a little more raunchy. Like, I like the <laughs> little bit. It's like, yeah, when you're in that cave or wherever yeah. you're at. Like, <laughs> that's fun. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't feel like that. It was too overwhelming. And I really appreciated what you just said about how, uh, we've been watching some Hallmark movies lately Let's too. Go. <laughs> they all do have the Tis season. Tis the season. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, just how everyone, honestly, like how everyone are, are their own independent characters in this book um, throughout, which I, I really do appreciate. Um, and honestly, like, since we're getting through it, like, towards the end, I think, like, it was right at the end, though, like, what is just very interesting to me is, um, is, is, is Sienna, is she in prison at the end, right? Is that how, is that the end of the, right, right? Yeah. Something, like, yeah, I guess, like, yeah, is, is she, is she not? And then, is she not? Like, how the hell can you let her out? That, yeah. And that's, like, how would you justify, so, yeah, no, yeah, Joy? Mm-hmm. No, I think that what, what they were talking about at the very end, though, is that, um, that she just had, she had so much to offer and that the new Republic wasn't going to be able to, you know, enslave these billions of beings, uh, that were a part of the empire. So that the new Republic was going to, you know, pretty, pretty much just like, you know, kind of like when a country takes over another country, you know, it's kind of like, we're not going to enslave you all. You know, we're not going to prison you all. We're going to let bygones be bygones. Hey, you know, you live under our rule, um, you know, whether this is good or bad, um, you know, but if you live under our rule and you live peacefully under what we want, you know, to happen, we're going to let you go, you know, go free. And so, um, you know, it's kind of up to interpretation, you know, and how, uh, 
how we see, you know, it's going to end up happening. But uh, the way I took it was that she was going to eventually be let out. You know, they might imprison uh, some moths or, you know, some commanders, uh, you know, if they had them. But uh, kind of what Thane was getting to right at the very end was, you know, you're a captain. I believe she was just a captain, right? Yeah. Yeah, she had just been promoted. Yeah, yeah. So she was a captain of of a ship, and and uh, you know he said, you know, you will not be um, imprisoned, you know, at this point, you know, and so, you know, I don't know what ranks that they would decide, you know, hey, you know, this person ranked up high enough uh, that you know we're gonna imprison them, but uh, it kind of seemed like the New Republic was going to end up. you know, letting people out, you know, and as long as they decided they were going to live peacefully, you know, you're good to go. Yeah, I took it as, you know, they didn't have enough room and for all of these people to be held in humane conditions. And I think the thing that the New Republic wanted is, you know, they didn't want to be like the Empire. They didn't want to imprison these people and torture them and just mm-hmm. leave them sitting in a cell to rot like that. They're like, that defeats the purpose of what we're trying to do here. And so I think what they were doing is they were just making space for the people who they captured the prisoners of war that they captured who committed the greatest crimes against humanity, if you will. And I think everyone else, they were like, Jory said, like bygones be bygones. You did a little bit of time. Like you're on our radar. If you like mess anything else up, we're going to know about it. But Paige, I think you had something earlier that you wanted to bring up. Uh, instead of muting herself, I think she just shot herself out of the group. I rage quit. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, What I was going to say is, (laughs) Um, I personally read a lot of young adult novels because that's the only way I can get, um, queer women content. Um, so I, um, love young adult novels and I think they get a lot of bad, uh, flack, but I think, um, all of the reviews are spot on in that it is a very realistic, Romance, but at the same time, I don't understand how two people who are so in sync with each other mm-hmm. and like can tell each other apart by how they fly would be so <laughs> off base yeah. of how the other person is interpreting these big world events yeah. and get it so wrong. And I just, and then they end up beating the shit out of each other, which mm. yes, which I means the love making is probably fantastic. I mean, I bet that yeah. we didn't get a lot of details, I mean, but that's probably yeah. what is. Bri- yeah. I mean, two opposites just Crazy. attracting, absolutely. Yeah, Chains I mean, whips yeah. excitement. <laughs> there she is. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just I have a lot of questions about their compatibility as people, yeah. um, and. Going back to the cave with the with Blaine, Holly knows all about this conversation we had. It was just weird, but I think it was realistic and showing that maybe you do like you're compatible, but sometimes it's just not meant to be because you don't communicate. Communication is very important in a relationship, yeah. especially. Okay, Paige, I Man. hear your point, and I raise you this. Oh gosh, <laughs> these are two people oh, who boy. spent a lot of time together when they were children. But mm-hmm. not as young adults into, you know, through uh, adolescence. And so their idea of who they are as people 
is still who they were when they were two kids flying together. And I just don't think that they're as in tune with each other now. And I think that they're over romanticizing the connection that they have Mm -hmm. because that's all that they can remember. You know, I I agree. I recall a a couple of folks uh, in a different uh, film uh, solo. Kira and Han, right? Similar story here. I I think we don't know a ton of what happened to Kira, but we know. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's still some questions. Is Kira really just trying to protect Han? Holly and I have a very, very interesting conversation we need to have. Like, is is her intentions now just protecting Han, or is there ambitions elsewhere? Hey, here's my opportunity to really escape not only. Uh, uh, um, um, oh my god, what's their home world? I'm forgetting. Didn't you write the trivia question? Oh, Corellia? Corellia. I'm an Hello? idiot. A freaking scum rat. Scrum rats. I called them scum rats on the last podcast. Scrum rats. Um, so, like, escaping that, but also escaping the hand of of, of the crime sending, well, one uh, crime lord. Um, but so, I, I don't know. I think that's a very. Mm-hmm. It's a similar, a similar kind but of discussion. Kira, but Kira understands that, and she says it point blank to Han. The, these two characters in Lost Stars, they don't have that understanding. But what does well, Kira say Han to Han? Han definitely doesn't. Well, but Kira's like, that Like that was so long ago. We're different people now. Love isn't enough. I love it. It's, it didn't work in Solo, and that's tragic. Um, and it doesn't work here. I think it's fantastic. Jory? So um, I don't want to poke holes in your theory, but what at what age did they join the empire? Um, because it seemed like shortly after, um, shortly after that they joined was when uh, the Death Star blew up. So that would be the Battle of Yavin, and they were born in 19 BBY. So that would put them right around 18. You know when they were actually you know put into the empire. So with that being said, you know, at 18, are you old enough? You know, you know what I mean? Like they've been together from six to 18, you know, that's 12 years of their life and, and very growing years in your life too, where you are, you know, kind of finding out who you are. So, you know, with them being 18, still training and and flying together, um, you know, maybe, I guess maybe they just didn't open up to each other enough or you you know what I mean? Like like those are, you know what I mean? They like, they make it a point when they get to the Academy to not spend time together. Like that was a big thing when they first got there. And then I know I'm pretty sure there are a couple of years that pass that they don't talk to each Mm -hmm. other after, um, the issue happens where, um, the whatever it was that Thane built in class got tampered with. Mm-hmm. There's two years that pass that they just don't talk to each other at all. And I think, and maybe my timeline's incorrect, I thought that they were around 25 when at the very end of the novel, but maybe I'm mixing that up with something else that we were reading. No, earlier. I think I think you're right. But what I'm what I'm saying is that you know, once you hit 18 and granted, I'm not going to say that you're mature at 18 um, because you're really not. But what, what I'm getting at is that, you know, they spent 12 years of their life. Um, and, and from six, which you're pretty coherent, you know, even if this is six, um, you know, when they were at the, or at that, uh, the ship together with Tarkin, 
um, until 18 years old, you know, they spent all that time together. You would kind of think that you know, not only in, you know, their, their flying sessions that they're sharing, that they would share a little bit more, you know, and, and they even said that they were, you know, pretty in tune with one another. It, it kind of seems either like there's a, a plot hole in her writing or that, or that they just didn't open up enough to each other to really understand, you know, how one another thought. Uh, because, like Paige was saying, you know, they could they could see each other, you know, just by by the maneuvers they were pulling in 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 a, in a ship, but they didn't know how one another would react, you know, to different situations that that were happening in in their lives. Well, they did, they probably didn't have a lot to relate to each other on. So, it, and and then by the time they're old enough to kind of leave, ambitions, you know, kick in and it's, you know, now here's my opportunity. Yeah. I, and all the friendships and all that kind of go by the wayside. But I, I think coming from such different backgrounds, how much could they really relate on other than their, their, their love for the stars yeah. and, and wanting to escape and, and that. Mm-hmm. But how, how, when you're a kid, how much do we really understand these class differences and stuff you really don't you know we have we share shared interests but we don't really know how those backgrounds and that that history is is shaping our future and and how our interactions are going to be much different once we comprehend where each other's coming from because you don't really at that age netty you had something before we get to anyone else you had something too i was just gonna say i found it here that they joined the academy at 16, it looks like. And I think there was two to three years in there. So Joey was right about it being um, 18, 19-ish range during the Battle of Yavin. And say, from personal experience as somebody that had a relationship during those years, that 18 to 21 phase that mm-hmm. crashed and burned hard. Let's go. I can definitely say you're not mature at that age. Let's like, go. Things change. You, you grow as a person. So I've definitely would echo that idea that you guys were bringing up there. I think we might have to yeah. unpack that in a separate episode, Holly. <laughs> when, I really want to I... know more about this. And I, I mean, you couldn't even have a cup of Jawa juice at that age. So are you really yeah. living? Do you really know you life? Re- when I think back on the people that I was friends with when I was like in high school and like my first couple of years of college, I, I mean, those are people who I mm-hmm. felt very, very close to at that age. And I don't even talk to some of them now. And yeah. you know, I, you outgrow some of those relationships and I just, I just think that they still held on to each other, even though they had outgrown each other. That's, that's how I feel. But I think that it's, I mean, obviously we're having a conversation about it. I think it's all up for interpretation because I think it's all based on, you know, your own experiences and the people that you've met during that time and the relationships that you do or don't have now. Yeah. When, when you join a, an empire, uh, you know, that's far away from home and you don't know anyone else, like <laughs> you're going to, you're going to relate back to what you do know. And they knew each other. And, and maybe, maybe there's some, some hope in there that really shouldn't have been, I don't know. Maybe they were too different. I don't know. Love wasn't enough. Uh, are you going to a page or? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So I think, I think that there was a total power shift that we have to remember probably happened when they left that planet because he had the privilege and the power. Like, he was mm-hmm. more important technically on the planet than she was. And once they 
went to the academy, she was the top dog like the entire time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he was just like grasping at straws, trying to like yeah. catch up. And then suddenly they weren't talking. And then suddenly they started talking again at that dance. And then suddenly it was like, we're not talking again. Mm. So I, speaking from personal experience, again, uh, I went through drastic changes from one person to another totally different person from my first semester in college. I joined mm-hmm. a sorority. I was I was very, very quiet person. Suddenly, I was extremely outgoing, totally, totally different person. Like, I, I had totally different relationships. So I think that we underestimate the amount of growth that people can do in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you don't let go of those, maybe not the relationships that don't grow with you and don't serve you in a healthy way, then it ends up crashing and burning as Nadi said, hard. Um, So I related, I related to that a lot, especially with some of people in my sorority um, and people that I knew from like high school and stuff like that. So I think that that's extremely topical and also extremely personal, you know, personal, not necessary, but you know, Holly, Everybody can relate to it. Uh, Paige's flashbacks are giving. They're just giving. Or they're giving. Her experience <laughs> giving me flashbacks to uh, Jane the Virgin. I mean, so much has happened in that story in in, in <laughs> a matter of weeks. It feels. Uh, is it Raphael? Is it Michael? I don't know. Uh, it's it, love is complicated. It's not blind you keep either. mentioning these characters from the show, and I keep thinking you're talking about the Ninja Turtles. Michael. I know. I, I'm just te- I'm Team Raph across the board. So if that clarifies you're, anything, you're correct, and that's the correct choice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Michael can kick rocks. That's Thank this you. is a this is a house oh, no. divided. I'm sorry, guys. I've seen the series, and I know what happens. And I'm Team well, Michael. Don't spoil it for us oh, here. That's so sad for you. This may become a Jane the Virgin podcast. I don't know. I, I know they just released a lot of Star Wars content, but I've got five more seasons to go of Jane the I've Virgin. I've watched not even the first full season, oh, and see? I don't even care. And two I episodes, I mean, there's relationships ending, beginning, ending, beginning, so I mean, it's it's a nightmare, Hot but I'm, cold, I'm like here for it. Thane and Cyanna. So, we have Thane at Son the Battle of, yeah, we, yep. <laughs> at the Battle of Jakku, right? And we also have Cyanna. She has her own Star Destroyer. She's a big bad captain now. She's also at the Battle of Jakku. This is where we are, mm-hmm. right? If I'm getting this wrong, someone tell me. But there's a boarding party because they want that Star Destroyer. The Rebels need that ship. They just so happen to board Cyanna's ship. Mm-hmm. And he knows that it's her because she comes over the comm link, right? And says that everyone needs to evacuate. She's going to take this ship down. Let's go. And he wants to stop her because he wants to save her life. Yeah. So they have this epic battle that, like, physical altercation Mm -hmm. that Paige brought up earlier where they're literally beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. So Rob was talking about, you know, the optimism and you have those relationships and you want to save them and you want to savor them. And Thane is still feeling that way about Cyanna. He's still even up to the end. She's telling him... I would rather die with my ship than go down with you. She literally says to him, this is one of my favorite lines in the whole book. She literally yells at him and says, get your rebel ass off my bridge. Yeah. She wants him gone. And he's not doing it. Yeah. And 
then when she's in the rebel prison, or I guess the new Republic prison now, he's like, I'm going to get you out of here. Like he's still trying mm-hmm. to help her and to get her to freedom and to make sure that she has a good life. Does she deserve that? I don't know. I don't think so. Everyone's but, worth saving. But that's what the story is. Even her, who till the end wanted to die for the Empire as much as she didn't like what they were doing. Holly, we're not going to win this thing by killing what we hate. We're going to win it by saving what we love. Okay? A wise, wise, wise engineer once said that. Her name was Rose Tico. Um... Sorry for the last Jedi reference. Probably just lost a few listeners Whatever. there, but uh, that's okay. That's okay. Paige, I feel like you have something and to add. First off, in this house, we love Rose Tico, and if no one likes Rose Tico, they There's can the kick door. rocks. Yeah. Thank you very much. Too much Rose Tico hate. Anyway, right. uh, I just realized that I would be the tall, dumb, blonde boy in this book. Because I, too, would sit there. I told Holly this earlier. I was like, I would fight my ass off for someone that I really cared about if they were doing this stupid stuff. And that's maybe not the best choice. (laughs) This is toxic. But it's what he's doing. I know that. And I'm just saying... I'm recognizing that it's toxic. Miss Ben Solo over here is saying it's not good. I'm just saying it's not a great thing for him. And I hope he finds someone that would treat him better. Well, it's not what Wedge or Mon Mothma, somebody says that to Thane earlier in the book. They're like, you know, when he's drunk off his ass. Yeah. yeah, There are a lot of women in the galaxy who are not in the empire. Was she trying to pick him up? Was Mon trying to no, get his he, number? No, he was conflicted. Oh. And he was crying to her about how much he loves Cyanna, but she's, you know, not, she's not, she doesn't like the rebels. She's not going to defect from the Empire. Like, she's not doing any of that. And mm. everyone's like, listen, bro, <laughs> you can literally find anybody else. Big galaxy out there. I just have a couple. Honestly, it's literally just more really one Easter egg. Um, there were quite a few in this one, um, but uh, I guess two Easter eggs that I'll bring up. Um, and the ball that they went to, um, I think, and I don't know if this is confirmed, uh, I think that could be the same ball that Leia went to yes. in the Leia novel, um, which I thought was a pretty cool um little tie-in and then um like i don't know really if this is an easter egg um, because it's pretty just right in your face but i I just thought it was really um convenient i guess maybe that they were in pretty much every major battle or major um uh engagement that was in yeah that was in star wars i mean they were at the the destruction of the first death star um, they were at the Battle of Hoth. Um, they were at the destruction of the second Death Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were at the Battle of Jakku. Uh, I mean, like it's just like literally every single major scene from Star Wars, um, they were a part of up until uh, The Force Awakens. And um, I don't know how other people feel about it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought that it was really cool to see 
um, the other perspective. I don't know if it took away from other, like some other people. I, I would understand if it took away because, you know, other people say, you know, it makes Star Wars small um, because these side characters from the main trilogy um, or the main nine films were a part of every major point up to. Um, but I thought it was really cool to see the, uh, the other perspective or the, the smaller folk, um, in all of these major, major points, you know, in Star Wars for us. Yeah. I thought they did a good job of having all those big battles in, but not have it be redundant to, you know, just repetitive. Like we already know these stories. Yeah. Nettie. Uh, I got two quick things. I just, on the topic of Easter eggs, I just wanted to throw out, they mentioned at one point that they're at like a planet that's so remote that like it doesn't have like a name yet. And the planet's like, what, 525-1977, which is the day that Star Wars released in theaters. (laughs) So I thought that was kind of a cool little, cool little nod right there. And then um, kind of going off of what Jory said and what you guys were saying about how well they like interweaved it with the original trilogy and with Claudia Gray's other books, um, kind of going off on a tangent, but it makes me really excited to see what they can do with the high Republic mm. because we've seen these authors so much. Like I know EK Johnston did this in the, um, Ahsoka novel a little bit too. They just take little references and throw them out there to build into this narrative that, you know, George and all those others vote, you know, 40 plus years ago. And I'm really interested to see, how them all storyboarding together and building the story together is going to work and how well they can interweave that. It makes me really excited to see what they're able to do with that. And to kind of see things from outside these bounds of story we already have, right? Like I got kind of bummed. I'm excited that we're getting all this content, but then when we were talking about the acolyte, I, I was like, "What are what are other people saying?" Like, there's not a much, much released on it. We know we're excited, and everyone's like, "Will they reference Plagueis?" And it's like, God, we're already then like we're just making it so small. Like we're tying it in with shit we know. I'm excited to to go there and then make new stories that we can build off of and not feel like we have to even maybe connect so much because it can limit. What your, where your story is going to go if you feel like you have to reference so many instances of known history. So I, I, I love it. I think it's awesome because it's so cool being like, okay, there's other people that were having lives at the time where Han and Leia are bitching at each other or whatever on Hoth. And like there's these empires coming and there's people that we know now. And it's, it is awesome. But I could not believe five minutes after they announced we're doing something completely new. Everyone's like, but how can we relate it to things that we know already? I'm like, I, yeah, that is cool. Uh, it's just unfortunate sometimes that we were even going to confine ourselves to that. So I, I am excited for that, Nettie. I'm, I'm really pumped to, to, to hear something new and and maybe it can it'll like we can tie it into the the future of star wars that we know now and it'll make things make a little more sense but not necessarily say hey here's mon mothma or here's tarkin uh or or there's the millennium falcon like it is awesome star wars isn't old to me i don't want anyone to think that i hate it uh or anything but i think it's i think it's going to be nice to to because these authors have always been you know everything we've really gotten it's within history that we know uh and, and you know the storyboards and hey why don't you throw some references here why don't you make it known where we are here and that's cool 
But uh, let's, let's take the training wheels off. Let's let them write um, some, some, some big stuff. I told Paige this earlier, but Kevin Scott tweeted, and you can download a lot of the High Republic content right now. Uh, today or yesterday, they just re- I know they had already released eight chapters of some of the High Republic stuff, but there's a lot more that Disney just opened up for you to download for free. I think it's just for a limited time, and he linked the information to mm-hmm. that. So it's worth checking his Twitter and seeing like going to that link and downloading some more of the high Republic stuff that they just released. Oh yeah. Well, anything else? I had one more Easter egg, but we'll go to page first. So speaking of Hoth, the only, only thing like other than like the ball and all of that stuff. um, When I was younger, um, I always like was very interested in um, Luke's co-pilot. And I was like, Mm. that just seems kind of weird. You know, like he's just really excited um, to be around Luke, and I'm like, huh, that's just... Mm. And then I I texted Holly after I read that part, and I'm like, that seemed kind of gay to you? She's like, <laughs> like, I always thought that it was a little bit... He was like, had a crush on Luke Skywalker, and I felt very affirmed as a young child that maybe... Dak was into Luke Skywalker. Could have been. That made me very happy because I my whole thing mm-hmm. is that Luke is by because per Mark Hamill, Luke oh. can do whatever you want. Luke can be trans. Yeah. Luke can be asexual. So in my world, Luke is bisexual. So that made me very happy, and that was my one tiny little. Gay nugget that I got. <laughs> hey, in the One. E- in the EU, uh, well, he did kiss his sister. That's a completely different story. But he, in the EU, I mean, he was pulling a Donatello from uh, Ninja Turtles. He was doing machines. Okay, maybe not necessarily doing them, but he was having relations uh, with machines. So yeah, it's who knows. We, we, we've gotten a little bit of That's story with that with, with Lando. Yeah, and 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 yeah, and yeah. there's there's a lot of admiration for Luke too, and and even in a non romantic way, like like uh, the the short story we read from a certain point of view, just people being like, dude, this. You're telling me this farm kid that I grew up with is the dude that blew up the mother effing death? What? Let's go. So there's a lot. Yeah, the people are are, are submitting that this farm kid did this, and it could be romantic. It could be they're just fascinated by it. I don't know. It's I, I would love to. We don't really get a lot of Luke and, and, and where he's coming from in canon. I mean, there is a deleted scene of him and what's his friend? Is it Biggs from Tatooine? And it's it's a deleted scene, and mm. they're talking. It, it's it's weird. I mean, they took their flight suits off, and things got a little steamy. No, maybe. not like that. Ah. But like, Luke just seems <laughs> he's just, he just seems like a a dumb little idiot queer kid who doesn't know what he's doing. So I'm just saying, I love I, I, it fits into I my think... narrative. <laughs> I think Luke saw the goodness that she he felt it and I think you you we go back to earlier in this is that when you genuinely feel that with somebody it doesn't matter if they're like a man a woman a dog a cat a deer a tiger I mean you have these different attachments people have different attachments goats they have different attachments to these things. And I think that, you know, you there's cases where, like, the cat will just always fight the owner. But there's also cases where the cat is literally around. 
owner the whole time. And I think that it translates to everything in life. It all comes back to the cheese, the thing in life, man. Mm. You, you just find people you like, man. And it doesn't matter if it's a droid. It doesn't matter if it's a Jabba or Jawa. It doesn't or matter a Jabba. He deserves love yeah. too, Rob. Yes, he needs eggs. Eggs. Glorious eggs. <laughs> that's that's a Land Before Time reference right there, by the way. So sometimes... I mean, Jabba does have a son. So he does. Yeah. He does. He, he got busy somehow. Yes. Good point. Great point. That. It's so but, some, sometimes love know, is enough, Rob, right? I mean, sometimes it, the, the it world can try and complicate it as much as it wants to. And, and love, it's just, it is love. And nothing's going to get in the way of that. And that's, those are the good stories that we like. Um, and these stories, too, when it doesn't work out. It's, it's a nice reminder that sometimes it isn't always that easy. Well, that's like the realistic yeah. part of it that Michael doesn't like. Oh, but wow. I, but I'm an idealistic just, guy, Holly. If you want to hate me from it, for it, I mean, that's fine. I know. That's fine. But that's a big theme in this book because the whole time you have Thane rolling his eyes at the every idea that Luke Skywalker has. This dude believes in the Force. Come mm-hmm. on. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Han didn't believe in the Force either. Han Boy, is, was he wrong. Han is also reference in this mm-hmm. book those are a lot of like fun easter eggs i really enjoyed that jory back to your point i don't think it made it feel like it was too small i think that it would be it would be weird to write a story from these people's point of view and not mention the characters that were so pivotal during those battles mm-hmm. and so i think that it made sense that they were all mentioned yeah. the other thing that i wanted to say is that i'm pretty sure um uh, that the Star Destroyer on Jakku that we see Ray running around by is mm-hmm. Cyana's Star Destroyer that crashes yep. after this battle. So I thought that that was kind of a fun explanation. Because I remember when I was watching The Force Awakens, and it's like, what, like, what is all this garbage? Where did this come mm-hmm. from? Yep. Well, now I know. Now you know. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. I The whole night, I was like, that's... That's what links into the new, the, the sequels, man. That's yeah. what it was. It was so great. Yeah, so that's that's the connection. The, 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 the Battle of Jakku there is really, really what uh, this uh, Journey of the Force Awakens uh, <laughs> marketing scheme was all about. Um, with the, and it even shows, I think the cover has, has the Star Destroyer there crashing on Jakku. Um, oh, yeah. It's just like so all their love just going down in flames. I mean, it's f***ing beautiful. Uh, it, Jory. Joy, Joy, close us out with something sentimental, something to bring us back, because all hope in the galaxy seems lost, and I have to freaking live with it. And I'm talking about this person right here, just just doom and gloom across the table here. Bring me back to a place of optimism and hope. No, I think that this might actually kind of close it out, too, Um, because... At first, before we kind of had this conversation, I really wasn't sure how this was a uh, a story to um, The Force Awakens, but it really is because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it, it it ties everything in and it moves everything forward. Um, you know, it kind of you know we get the battle of jakku um mm-hmm. which is kind of the easter egg to you know what rays you know going through but it gives us all of this kind of nostalgic feeling um you know and and if you kind of think back to when this was written you know we had no clue as to what was to come 
So if you read this novel in, say, what was it, 2015 or 16 yep. or whenever it was, um, this really was a, a fantastic way to go back through and hear a different perspective on all of the OT and, and get you kind of pumped, you know, kind of back into Star Wars and, and, and be like, oh, you know, like these movies came out 35 years ago, mm-hmm. you know. It really gets you back back into that, like, okay, you know, we're, we're leading up to, you know, this point. You know, we have these two characters. We kind of see where uh, see where the Imperials were. Um, we kind of see where the New Republic is. And we kind of see, you know, just, just a, a very broad overview. But we, you know, we get, we get just a basic, um, at the end of the book, a basic... A feeling as to where everybody's at and you know and, and i think that the, the more we've talked about it the more i'm like you know what this really was a very very good book to read right before you go and see the force awakens and and honestly i i didn't do it which i probably should have but I almost want to read this again and then go watch The Force Awakens just to see, you know, how it can kind of pump me up to go rewatch that movie. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot of time had passed. We got the prequels. It was it was kind of hard to understand. Hey, what was the Empire like? And and we, even with this with the original trilogy, we really didn't have any idea what that was, what that meant to people, uh, and what kept them around in the Empire. What kept people serving all those years and. We find out a lot of different things, uh, the, the, the past, the uh, prospects of, 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 of hope, just just a, a way out. It's a lot of different things. Uh, uh, privilege even can find people there. It's just, it was a fantastic book. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it five years ago going into The Force Awakens, and, and I, I, I don't think I was prepared to have this conversation then. I, I think just all of the Star Wars we've got has, has even made me more prepared to have a more honest and open conversation about it. Um, and then five years of life will do that for you as well. Uh, things were a lot different in 2015, at least for me and for a lot of people. Um, and, and so it's nice to go back and revisit this and see um, what we probably weren't talking about then and what Claudia Gray knew needed to be discussed. And, and, and some of us just hadn't gotten there yet. So I, Holly, Jory brought us a little on a high there at the end. But uh, let's see. What else you got? Any more doom and gloom? That's that's, that's all I got. I gave this a 5 out of 5 on Goodreads. Very nice. I thought it was really well done. I I just, I don't know. Was this Claudia Gray's first Star Wars novel? I think so. Yeah, Jory's giving me a thumbs up. So, I mean, that's why we see so much from her now because she just pretty much nails it every time. Came out guns blowing, blazing, blazing. Blowing. blowing. It's late, uh, and I haven't had any alcohol. Phrasing. So, seriously, <laughs> phrasing. Michael's um, ready for that flamethrower. Seriously. Um, well, uh, guys, I, I appreciate all of our our book club uh, panelists here. It was a fantastic read. Um, it, it's awesome that people are willing to to give these stories a chance. Um, we've got a lot more to read. We brought quite a few of them up here in this discussion. Tarkin and, and comic books and. Um, it, it's awesome how we're, we're, we're relating them to, to other pieces that we've read, but, uh, I think that'll do it. I mean, I think it's the longest podcast we've ever done. Um, it's, it's two hours, more than two hours, but maybe not. 
Um, folks, if you enjoyed this, let us know. Uh, I know these discussions with our group are some of the most popular things we do. Um, and it's a big, it's a big part of this podcast. It's a, it's a staple of our podcast, including our friends and new friends and, and, and all of you and discussions, deep conversations. I, I pride us Holly off of having bigger and better conversations than, than, 90% of people talking about Star Wars out there. It's just more in-depth. It's just It just means more. It, it's, it's, it, we go a little deeper, uh, and that's why I appreciate getting such good perspectives from these guys uh, and you guys uh, when we talk about them. So thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to our panelists again for joining us. Holly, thanks for, for continuing this. Thanks for being an awesome book reader. Um, do you have any indication, any inclination, what's going to be next on the – Nope, the next book club won't be for two months, so I'll okay. let you guys know what the next book is. Um, it'll probably be the Rise of Skywalker Ooh. novelization, just because I'm halfway through it, and okay. Jory wants to read it too. Yeah, Andy's giving me a thumbs up. Yeah. Okay, we'll announce it now. The Rise of Skywalker novelization will be the next book in the book club. Let's so we'll go. talk about that in February 2021. I am super excited. If you aren't excited, guys, you didn't hear our tease of the beginning of the Rise of Skywalker talking about the Eye of Webbish Bog and Kylo Ren and all the, the secrets out there in the galaxy. Uh, adds a lot of good context to the Rise of Skywalker film. So I really encourage you. I know people don't enjoy the novelizations of the movie sometimes, but I think this, uh, like uh, the Revenge of the Sith novel, is going to add a lot of good depth and context text uh to a movie that i think needed it uh something that was a little fast paced uh so i think this will add add some more depth to it and i think you'll enjoy it so pick it up join us in a couple months we'll, we'll specify a date here soon where we'll release it um i'll just let these guys get started on that and uh folks take care of each other out there pick up a book and read it hopefully the rise of skywalker um take care of each other be safe and as always may the force be with you all